0: Welcome to Ayurvedic Healing and Beyond podcast. My name is Vignesh Devraj, an Ayurvedic doctor and a holistic health coach. Each week we share wisdom or interview an inspiring personality to guide you become your healthiest self. Remember, your health is your greatest asset. This episode is a small milestone for me and the reason is, it's my 50th episode after starting my podcasting journey during the lockdown. And so thank you all to all my listeners for your wonderful support and feedback. Without your support, we wouldn't have reached this far. On this special occasion, I'm inviting Angelika Neri, co-founder of Soulful Veda. Soulful Veda specializes in Ayurvedic wellness retreats that bring you to balance and nourish your soul. The topics discussed in today's podcast are the story on how the idea behind Soulful Veda emerged, what are the seven main chakras, and how are they different from each other what happens when a chakra is blocked and how does block chakra affect your health and tips to stay grounded if you are curious to know more about the chakras and its influence in our body this will be a very interesting episode and now we go over to angelica hello angelica thank you so much for being in my podcast ayurvedic healing and beyond so looking forward for all the great information that you're going to share
1: Oh, thank you so much. I'm, I'm so excited to be here.
0: So Angelica, as I start with every podcast and I love the stories, you know, they talk about what got them into Ayurveda and into holistic healing. So, and I love the name that you call for your mission, which is Soulful Veda. So tell us what got you to what you are today. I mean, with this mission that you are having, you and Rachel and with this Soulful Veda.
1: Yeah, totally. So, Rachel and I met each other um, on our journey in yoga we are both yoga teachers and it was through yoga where one day Rachel was taking my class and I mentioned the word Ayurveda and she was like came up to me after class and was like what what's that name mean I I'm really drawn to it I want to know more about it and I said sure and i started talking to her about it and then needed to go deeper so we went out to dinner together and i talked more about it and as soon as she found out that i was doing ayurvedic consultations i was actually an Ayurvedic health counselor at that time, she wanted to sign up right away. So uh, we did that. She was one of my first patients, and she just completely healed her imbalances so quickly. And so it was so empowering for me as a healer to know that Ayurveda works, being one of my first clients. And then for her, too, it was her awakening to Ayurveda. So she was healing from chronic heartburn um, to the point where she had insomnia. It took her two hours to go to sleep at night. Um, She was high stress, um, high anxiety. And within a couple months, her just implementing diet and lifestyle completely transformed it. So it was just an amazing connection. And from there, you know, we kind of went our separate ways. She was still in her corporate job and I was still managing a yoga studio for a while until um, the following year, she reached out to me and she's like, hey, I'm doing a retreat in Chicago and I would love for you to be the Ayurvedic guest. Like I would think of no one else but you. And I was like, oh my gosh, amazing. Wow. This retreat sounds so cool. What, who else do you have at this retreat that you're going? She's like, just you. You're the first one. I'm so happy. And then I was like, oh, amazing. Well, I would love to help coordinate this with you. It sounds cool. And I know a lot of different healers we can bring in. And so we just started to put it on together and it ended up being sold out. It was such a huge and successful day. And we saw everyone grasp Ayurveda in just that one hour lecture that I had. People, that was what people loved the most. Mm -hmm. They kept coming up to me after they wanted to know more. They thought the doshas were so cool. And they thought it was just this all encompassing science that finally made sense. And these were people that you would not expect to grasp onto Ayurveda. I was actually feeling a little scared to present Ayurveda. They're more in the corporate world. They've never really dipped their toes into holistic world. And they were so open to it. So, you know, after that, Rachel and I <clears throat> kept talking and we just started manifesting basically our business. We just Mm -hmm. had this vision that we want people to know how powerful it is that they can heal themselves because ultimately we realized we did that to ourselves. With my own journey, with healing my IBS and amenorrhea, I did that with Ayurveda. With Rachel, she did that with her heartburn and stress. And we knew that all these other people dealing with these imbalances could do that for themselves and how can we foster that growth and so we just kept spinning ideas and we'll have cooking classes that were ayurveda based and we'll have programs where we can bring people through and it was through there that we really realized that we would be in this together but it was kind of a passion project and it wasn't until a few months after that where we really got pushed into areas where we were unhappy in our jobs and we saw this as a sign the universe was telling us all right it's time to pull the plug. It's time to really fully immerse into this business because it has a higher purpose than you can probably even imagine at this point. Um, And so we both, we quit our jobs and we decided to fully invest in Soulful Veda. So we made an official LLC and we've been on that journey ever since.
0: Wow. What a fulfilling story it is. An inspiring story too. And I think to take up such a project, unless you're passionate, I don't think you can proceed with that. Because you're entering a completely uncomfortable zone, you know, a new territory, Uh, you are giving up all your comfort that you had, and also taking up that new uh, pathway, Uh, but at the end, even though it may not give you the same financial security in the beginning, but then when you see the fulfillment that draws you in, and then it just gets that exponential growth.
1: Totally. It, it's it's rooting in that whole soul intention. And through that, you know that everything else will fall into place because mm-hmm. you would do this despite the abundance that would come with it if you could just serve that life purpose.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. And Angelica, so today I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to hear about, the, you know, I see that you do a lot of healing uh, teachings uh, according to chakras, the seven chakras. So I'm curious to know how we can integrate chakras into our daily life so that we can uplift our not just health, overall quality of life. And I see that that is one of the concepts that you teach a lot in your uh, missions. So can you tell us more about what are these seven chakras and how can we know more about that?
1: Mm, I, I love this question so much because the, the chakras are truly a compass and all the work that we do and mm-hmm. the chakras are spinning wheels of energy. Some call them energy vortexes and um, some schools of thought will even call them a nerve plexi. So Um, it's all this energy absorbed into one power center and there's seven main ones along our spine but truly in yogic philosophy there's about 114 all throughout our body um, which just basically means that we're all energy and so when we say we feel each other's energy we're made up of energy but what these seven are so important for is because they tell us the specific connection between our physiological functions our physical functions our mental tendencies, our emotions our spirituality all into one and it gives us a road Map. We like to call this our intuitive roadmap and better understanding how to heal our imbalances. So we can always relate this back to the elements, right? That is the foundation of Ayurveda. So Ayurveda has five elements, which I'm sure your listeners are well aware of, earth, water, fire, air, and ether. And how can we relate those to the chakras? Well, starting from the ground up, we have the root chakra, which is earth. Then we have sacral chakra, svatistana, and that is water. Mm-hmm. Then we have Manipura, the third chakra, which is fire. We have the heart, which is air. Then we have the throat chakra, Vishuddha, and that is ether. And then we have the third eye, which is subtle ether, um, agya chakra. And then we have the crown chakra, um, which different schools of thought, but no element totally associated with it because it's just all encompassing.
0: Well, I love the way you call it that we all are energy and uh, understanding that the, the word vortex, it's such a powerful word. I think that's the closest word you can mm. correlate with the word chakra, even though you can call it, a, you know, the wheel for you know, spinning of energy and something goes wrong with that wheel, your whole harmony is lost. Totally. And I think that's where it comes in. And, and I really appreciate that, you know, you are able to correlate it with the five elements because... In fact, the concept of doshas that in Ayurveda, it's also a combination of these five elements. And, uh, you know, it's like the permutation and combination of these five elements. That is actually what we learn in Ayurveda. And that's what is all about the healing that we do, trying to balance these elements. So it's interesting how we correlate the five elements and and these seven chakras. Now, how do we understand if somebody has a blocked chakra and how to unblock it? I mean, we just described about the seven chakras and the... how each and everything is uh, correlated. So how do we know? You know, because why I'm asking this. Suddenly, if somebody comes with a heart problem, you know, mm. a cardiologist puts them to an ECG, or you know, we need to check the blood reports and what is the, how thick is the blood, and should we put them in blood thinner? We go into that direction. I mean, when you go to a cardiologist, okay, but when you go to a, somebody who is obsessed with chakras and chakra healing, you would say, oh, something wrong with your heart chakra, so we need to do deal with that. But at the same time, we see that something wrong with your Mooladhara also. So these are also interrelated. I mean, there are so many interrelations with how we can associate the medical science and with the chakras. At the same time, we can also correlate with many of our emotional health with chakras. So could you elaborate? How can we understand if somebody's chakra is blocked?
1: Hmm. So oftentimes, when I see a chakra is blocked, it's due to trauma, it's due to something that happened in their life that put them in a state of flight or fight mode. And they're living from that trauma or from that block. And so you brought up a really good point. And okay, they're dealing with the hard stuff. But how do we know? Because it looks like the root chakra is blocked as well, which we often see mm-hmm. the root chakras, you know, having imbalances, because a lot of people are lacking their earth element, there are more in their heads, there's more anxiety induced in our um, at least in our Western worlds for sure. So you always start from the ground up, right? That's how you build the chakra system. It can't be like, oh, I have a really awakened third eye, but mm, my, my first chakra is brock. The energy doesn't work like that because when you awaken the kundalini energy, the kundalini energy very much awakens the chakra system. You have to start it from the root. It moves on from the root and then it clears up and it extends out to the crown of the head. And that is where we get to enlightenment in that most awakened blissful state. So when we work with our clients, we always start from the ground up. We start from the root because the earth element and incorporating that into our lives, that is where we begin to eliminate all these other imbalances. So where I see a blocked root chakra um, is is very much in the trauma state. So if someone was abused, let's say um, this could be verbal abuse or physical abuse, we often see it in the root chakra. If someone's boundaries were severely crossed in a time in their life, we've had a client who had um, a stalker, right? And so she barely, she lives in, she used to live in fear, right? Because she's worried that her security is going to be breached, that her home, she's not even safe in her home, the body of her vessel, her home, but also her physical home. And so when they're in that flight or fight mode, they react from that and that becomes their normal. So they think it's okay to live in fear. And mm-hmm. what happens when the mind lives in fear, then they're not living in the reality they want to because they're doing things to protect themselves. And so that's where the disconnect happens. And how you can heal from that trauma, it's everyone's really different, right? You really have to meet that person where they're at and their trauma. Sometimes it is helpful to go back to that certain trauma and talk through it and have them vocalize it and and be able to not relive it in a way but heal from it to look at that situation from a higher perspective and for others it's more of that feeling sense where they just have to feel fully what it's like to live in that fear because once you begin to feel it then it begins to dissipate and so we do this mainly with meditations a lot the most profound differences and we have a lot of these two on our on our website of just feeling that emotion and allowing it to dissipate and of course it depends on how deep that trauma is if it's something that was done when you were a child and you're now a grown adult it's going to take more time to heal that for sure but it is crazy how intelligent the body is and how quickly it can respond once you're given the proper in- environment mm-hmm. for the body to heal
0: well i love the last part it's really crazy how intelligent the body is i mean we can also call it it's really like a magic how when you give the right guidelines when you give the right inputs the body just opens up in, irrespective of how deep the trauma is, you know. And uh, this 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 one aspect that I was quite uh, found fascinating what you brought up, like this Abraham Maslow's theory. You know, you have all the hierarchy needs, and they say that you have to go in a sequence. Yes. Like, you know, you cannot get enlightened if your root chakra is traumatized, or some there is some issue with that. Same way, your heart chakra will not be at its best, if your solar plexus is also affected, because the energy goes all the way from down. So every foundation needs to be strengthened. So this is one aspect that we need to understand. That's one thing that I love it that you brought it up. So when one of the chakra is having an issue, the subsequent chakras will also have an impact. Is that correct?
1: Mostly, because if there's not flow of energy going through the root chakra, that flow is going to be blocked from fully awakening the upper chakras. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't make sense if you felt like your or third eye, for example, was awakened. But there was a lot of trauma, guilt, shame, anger, resentment that's happening. There's not much flow happening in the lower chakras. So there's not much flow happening in the upper.
0: That's so clear. I mean, that that's where you see a lot of spiritual bypassing happening today, because certain aspects of the lower chakra is affected. So maybe they call themselves I'm um, a very spiritual person, but you see that, oh my God, something is terribly wrong with this person. <laughs>
1: Yes. <laughs> that I, I love that so much because a lot of times a lot of people want to bypass that hard work of looking at yourself and looking at those darker emotions. If if you're feeling them and they're within you and if you're triggered by other people, it's it's actually good. It's we call them portals. It's an it's an opportunity for you to look at that emotion to see where you can learn and heal. And that's where the, the light can really come in.
0: Well, I think now I remember what Rumi said, you know, wound is wound is the place where the light enters. Because that's, yes. that's an opportunity to understand where you need to work on. You know, everywhere, if somebody triggers you, thank that person so you get to know where you need to work on.
1: 100%. I love that.
0: So I think today what has happened is we live in a digital world and I think the ether element and the wind element is going up and we all need to be grounded. And especially we live in a Zoom world and that has completely got us up in a higher part. Where grounding is more required today than any other time. Because in earlier times, people were so grounded because they didn't have so much of digital technology. And today, we our grounding is so less. That is why we see the anxiety is going over the roof with so many people that is coming up. And this anxiety, I would say it is like trauma, showing the trauma symptoms and nervous system in different parts. And as far as when it comes to many chronic diseases, it, be it multiple sclerosis, be it irritable bowel syndrome, be it fibromyalgia, any of these that I have, you know, the patients that have come to me. And when I take their history, if not some of them in most of them, I can't claim it like in a research paper, but in my own practice that I've seen, all of them would say some kind of a history of trauma happening. But some people don't understand, is this really trauma or not? You know, they just think, oh, that's something that's like a mosquito bite. And that's something that I don't need to talk about. And then when you talk and then they realize their whole pattern has been inflicted with that kind of a trauma. So in your experience, which chakra do you think is affecting the most with the kind of people that you are helping with?
1: Definitely the root because and I think so of... we hit
0: on the nail <laughs> talking about.
1: Yes. So it, it because and it makes sense because a lot of swizzle thought would say that seventy to ninety percent of all disease is related to the vata dosha. And so when we bring in the dosha work and healing with the elements, if they if they have a vata imbalance, the first thing we need to do is ground them. So we're gonna talk about the earth element. Mm-hmm. We're gonna talk about the root chakra. Where's the trauma? Why do you feel like you have to be in this flight or fight mode? Where is that stress coming from? Where is that trigger coming from? Um, and, and that's the main thing. And, it, it, and then you bring in all these beautiful elements of Ayurveda, like the diet and the lifestyle. You curate their whole environment to be earth and grounding. And mm-hmm. then they start to have that foundation with themselves. And I feel safe. I can start to trust myself.
0: So if somebody needs to be grounded, what would be the, you know, somebody who's listening and they say that, they feel that, okay, maybe I need to ground myself. You know, I always tell the biggest antidote for high vata or overstimulated nervous system is learning to ground yourself so yes. in your experience how would you recommend people to really ground mm. what would be the lifestyle that they need to follow and the routines and the habits that they need to pick up so that they feel grounded
1: yeah i love everyone following their intuition and filing which practices they feel really resonate with them. So of the ones that I'm gonna give for all the listeners, whichever one that you feel yes, that little spark of light in you, then you follow that one first and take it one at a time. So when we think about the earth element, how can I bring the earth element into my life? And so let's first look at diet and food because that is the easiest thing for us to understand. And when I talk about diet and food, I don't mean the exact foods that you can eat. Yes, it's helpful, but Ayurveda will say that 90% of how you digest food is how you eat your food, meaning what are the practices I have. And so we always start with the conscious eating habits. And one of my favorite ones to give for vatas is three to five breaths before your meal. It's also a really good time just to say gratitude for your meal or if you have a prayer. Also, it is eating in a calm and peaceful environment. That one, hands down, is always the best because everyone thinks they are until they know what it's like to just eat in silence with themselves or with some ambient music, light a candle, eat outside if that's available to you, make your environment as calm as you can, because you take in all the energies, you don't just take in the energy of your food, you take in everything else. If you're having a hard conversation with a person, if you are eating while you're setting up and on the go, which we often see with vata is they're kind of just floating around, you need to have your feet on the ground so that your body can just focus on digesting that one at a time. So we often work with those habits first, because that is what everyone, it's most tangible. But I love the the core practice that we first teach all of our clients is meditation hands mm-hmm. down and so what this looks like is different for everyone of course i think vedic meditation is so powerful and profound but if you are so new to meditation and have that resistance i'd recommend a walking meditation or walking mindfulness i would recommend doing a guided meditation and then once you kind of feel like you've hit a a standstill and you need to grow then you can go into and learn vedic meditation could be given a mantra based breath work and techniques so you can go deeper into a meditation practice but that truly is the foundation for so much and with that how can i also make this fun so where can i bring the earth element into my life and i love getting plants um mm-hmm. having Plants in your in your apartment, or if you can have them outside, so that you can take care of them. You could feel your fingers in the soil. It's super healing to connect with the earth in this way. We had a Vata client who loved just to walk outside barefoot, put her toes into the grass, and to really feel connected to the earth. I personally, I love connecting with the trees. I love just touching the trees on my walk. So it it doesn't have to be so singular. It, it's how do you connect with the earth element, and how can you bring that into your life? Is 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 so profound.
0: Oh, I love that. You know, you're talking about slowing down technically. And what I hear is when you talk about connecting to your root chakra or grounding, it's all about slowing down your life. I think that's the ultimate thing because we are all in a hurry that what's the next best blockbuster that's going to come to my life. So in that situation, slowing down is like, okay, being in this moment is a blockbuster that can happen. I think that's where it all comes down to. <laughs> exactly. So, and I think, you know, connecting with nature is grounding because you don't see nature up, the sky is not grounding. You know? the, the nature, what we call the trees, the rocks, even the water element has an earth element to that. You know, And, in, uh, and I was reading, water element is the physical mirror of ether. Ether is the most dominant uh, element, but it is a water element that is the physical representation of ether. I mean, which makes sense because that is worth the difference between earth and the space in between you have the water. It has a blend of both. And even taking a bath or you know, taking bath grounds so many people, even just staying in water bodies calms down people, or spending time in a lake or sea that also grounds people. Now when I tell this to people, now I understand why I w- love to go to nature, why I love to spend time in beach that helps to calm down my anxiety totally so uh, angelica so wh- when we come to the second chakra you now what are the kind of uh, issues that you face i mean and how do you deal with that
1: so with the second chakra um the sacral chakra swatisthana we work mainly with women so i do see a lot of imbalances with women in this chakra and where i see i come up with a physical sense is menstrual irregularities. So PCOS, endometriosis, I see this all the time. And when I'm working with women, I also notice that there's a lot of ancestral healing here, that this has been passed down from generations from their mothers and their grandmothers as well. So it's it's a very deep wound to be healed from. And where this can show up kind of emotionally is Women will feel restricted. They'll feel more rigid, right? Because they don't have that flow, that ease of water. And I think it's because partly because of our masculine-dominated society, at least in the West here, where we feel like we have to just go, 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 finish everything on our to-do list and always take action, always have that more structured sense to it. And although that is amazing, if we don't have that feminine energy to pair it with it, then we start to lose our truth and our identity. So Mm -hmm. it's really about bringing women back to, owning their menstrual cycle first, getting that regularly, um, knowing that it can be a beautiful time actually, and we're actually the most intuitive when we do get our menstrual cycle. So tapping into that inner power, and where can we find creativity? Where have I been blocking off my creative energy? So am I at a job that's not allowing my creative energy to flow? Do I not have fresh ideas? And I see this depleted a lot in women who who turn this off, who have been told to turn this off because they're not living in their purpose. They're not living in their truth. And so it's very much getting them to kind of surrender, to Mm -hmm. let go of that masculine dominated society and then tune back into their feminine energy as their superpower.
0: And And if we have to look at the swadishtana chakra from a men's energy point of view, do you have some experience regarding that as well? Mm
1: -hmm. Yes. So, you know, men too need to have their own feminine energy. So even though I speak in gender, just because that's what our society sees it as, it's it's all the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. That men also need to have that creative energy. They need to have that um their feminine power and meaning they are intuitive as well. So in their work, are they, do they not take any breaks in their day? That's the number one thing. And we see this a lot if there's a lot of fire element happening in the body. And so with men, I often find that they work through their lunch breaks. Um, Maybe they work 12 hours a day and they don't take breaks because they just want to get their work done. And my first recommendation for them is always take a 15 minute break in your day, wherever it is. If that's for your lunch, great. If that you can go out in nature, even better meditate, breathe whatever it is but take that break for yourself and that offers that surrender moment where mm-hmm. they can let go of their to-do list and tap back into you know into intuition
0: mm-hmm. that's fantastic and i think uh, the concept like pcos and you're uh, talking about endometriosis irregular menstruation i think the fertility issues is also you know in men it's also something to do with prostate issues and urinary tract infection that is common for both somewhere there is also a way of purifying and cleansing that's also bothering them with that aspect
1: totally yeah That fertility issue is actually a huge kind of epidemic in the in the west you know mm-hmm. i know pretty much every woman i know that is, is trying to um conceive is having difficulty with it mm-hmm. and i think that's all, again like strengthening our nervous system to be able to handle this this mm-hmm. beautiful that will come into our life also but also being able to live and flow with ourselves so like surrender to what we really want in our life and not what we've been told we need to be
0: yeah that's so i mean right now i think we need to integrate chakras to our life more than any other time in the history when we see how profound the insights are
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's so beautiful how it all connects. And something you brought up earlier, too, that I wanted to make a really great connection that I had when I was in school in Ayurveda, we were talking about how heart attacks, right? Heart disease is the number one cause of death in in America, and it's largely related to the heart chakra, right? And when we don't feel like we're living that life of purpose, when we're Mm -hmm. in that, you know, that flow of life then we are going to start to have um, things like heart disease so I, I think that's just like so profound for everyone to understand that it's way beyond just having a life of fulfillment um, maybe for egoic reasons if you think that is that it does affect your health and it can affect every aspect of your life
0: i mean that's so true uh, there was an article that i was reading I, I forgot where i read it but this was what the article said the research was done on people who died of their first heart attack. I mean, mm. somebody who died of, you know, they didn't survive for the second one. They just didn't survive from the first heart attack. They just died from the first heart attack. So they were trying to figure out what was common with these uh, people who died of the first heart attack. What they could find common, was it some uh, you know, culture or food or lifestyle? What is common with them? And what w- only one thing that they could zero it down, which was dominant with most of them who died of the first heart attack it was extreme job dissatisfaction mm. so that's so evident what you are saying you know and that is why we also see that heart attack is actually one of the top two or three uh, causes of death today
1: totally that's it i mean we see this all the time in america where people are they think they have to have a nine to five job they think they have to do x y and z and they're they're just satisfied i think that career is not the only piece and i think Mm it's waking up with this energy as well and by the time you go to sleep it's not the only thing but it's such a huge piece
0: exactly i mean that's where this uh, quote you know success without fulfillment is worse than failure so without that fulfillment what's the point in doing that
1: totally totally and
0: you'll see people you know who, who have the highest paid jobs and they quit that and go for voluntary work in other parts of the world so that they feel that fulfillment because they realize this is what I need. That is what makes my soul happy. So that's the aspect that we need to bring it.
1: I love when I see that so much. It makes me so happy.
0: (laughs) I think that's also one of your journeys. You know, you quit that uh, corporate life and coming into something that makes you fulfilled. So coming to the third chakra. So how do you see it in your experience?
1: So with the third chakra, it's very much, um, it's related to the fire element, right? So mm-hmm. I see a lot of pentas have this out of balance because they have too much of the fire element, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, where they burn out. They feel mm-hmm. like they have to go, they have this laser vision on their goals, let's say, put in their career form. And that's all they see. That's all that's in their life. And they've they've lost the relationships. They lost in touch with what truly brings them joy. They don't have any hobbies. It's just work. Just mm-hmm. what them. And so it's really much about taming that fire. And how can we, when there's too much of that element into it, how can I bring in that earth and that water element to ground it? And it first comes with a lot of releasing, like a lot of releasing anger, feeling those emotions, understanding why do I get so triggered? Usually it's from parents. Um, When my parents says that to me, you know, it's a, it's that deep child wound that we have to heal. And so that's where I've find the most transformation in my clients. And then it's also, you know, how can we see on the physical level? Am I eating two spicy foods all the time and fueling that fire even more? And that's causing dis-ease in my physical body. It's conjoining all those together and looking at that bigger picture.
0: I think here, when you you correlate it with uh, Ayurveda, the, the Agni and the Pitta is something that has a lot of impact here.
1: Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so... You know sometimes fitters will have like hyperactive agni right if there's too much of that fire that they need to cool down and then on the other side of that kapas can have the opposite kappas mm-hmm. will feel unmotivated they'll feel lethargic you can even see actually in people who are kind of like low lack of confidence they're sunken in in that solar plexus region of their body and so very much you know doing muscle activities doing abdominal exercises actually not only strengthens the physical body, but it gives them that sense of confidence back in themselves. So mm-hmm. on the other hand, we have Pittas maybe too arrogant and overconfident. Um, we have kapas who need to build the confidence that, mm-hmm. yes, I can make my own decisions. I don't have to people please all the time. I can be just my authentic self without having to, again, please mm-hmm. what someone else wants.
0: Exactly. And, and uh, I appreciate the fact that you brought up the core strength. I mean, if you go to a real uh, personal trainer who trains you about improving your overall fitness, they say that one of the most important thing is your legs and then the core strength because you have the ground and then you have the core and then you work all the way up. Exactly. So the core strength is so important. And also uh, when you are grounded, your ability to enhance your uh, agni is also much easier. Totally. Otherwise, you know, you're, like when your agni is disrupt and your vata is also high, that becomes like a forest fire. That's what is happening with many people.
1: Yes, totally.
0: Anxiety and anger, it keeps coming back and forth with fear.
1: <laughs> right. It's just like, a, it's a dance between this this blockages that are happening in all the lower mm-hmm. chakras.
0: And coming to the next chakra, so how do you deal with it? This is, we already spoke about most of it, but uh, if you see how we can change that certain aspects with our lifestyle and also with our emotions, because heart chakra, it is considered one of the most powerful chakras and also heart is considered one of the most powerful organs. You know, the blood is flowing because of that. So we also associate the heart organ with love and uh, he has a big heart, even though the heart is not big, but we say he has a big heart. It it has so so much of meaning associated with that.
1: Totally. So, with the the blockage that we see in the heart chakra it usually is grief and so mm-hmm. we may think some people well, I, I haven't lost anyone that was close to me but we grieve a lot of things we grieve our old selves we grieve mm-hmm. our our egos and so it's really coming to understand how can i grieve that whatever it is that and allow for that emotion to flow through and then where can i love unconditionally more and we see a lot We work a lot with boundaries in this heart area. We can work with boundaries with pretty much any of the other chakras, um, but mainly with the heart chakra. And so oftentimes we have a lot of healers that we work one-on-one with. And so healers often have a hard time building boundaries with their clients because Mm -hmm. they just want to everybody. Yeah. So it's really important for them to know clearly, okay, what in my life is a non-negotiable, which I need in order for myself to be fulfilled, for my cup to be overflowing. So is it my morning routine? Is it exercise, movement, whatever it is? And how can I have that so clear in my schedule? So when something impedes on that, that's a boundary being crossed. So let's say a client was says, oh, I have to reschedule. Can you do it for this time? Mm-hmm. Well, if that was during my self-care time, then I need to be strong enough to say that time doesn't work for me and these are some alternative times for example rather than just saying oh sure like yeah i'll I'll just skip my meditation practice it's it's no big deal i'll offer myself for you and so we see that happening in a lot of areas of their life and i often see this with kapas the most because kapas have that very nurturing sense to them Mm -hmm. and with their friends and family it's hard for them to build boundaries with them so they'll often just do everything for their family and friends and then they start to lose themselves that they have no active self-care for themselves and then they feel really depleted and then it just cycles into that judgment for themselves and, and not living their truth. So boundaries is is huge. And where can you find self love? Where can you keep your practices that fill your cup um, in your life?
0: And I think uh, people with blocked heart chakras, you know, they also have issues receiving love. You know, when somebody's offering them love and they say, "No, I don't want it," they shut them off. That's also another yeah. thing that we see.
1: Yeah, that's such a good point. It's that even exchange of giving and receiving. If you're always giving mm-hmm. and not even opening yourself up to receiving, that is that is huge. One of my Rachel, she, uh, my our co-founder, my my best friend. She often when she works with clients or if they if anyone offers her help, she says that she now always accepts it because mm. very much in the past would have been like, no, it's okay, I got it, I got it. Um, so I, I love that tip.
0: And sometimes, you know, there's this thing, if I'm accepting somebody's help, somebody even don't like the word help. Help means I'm weak. It's also a word, you know, they say that I don't like the word help. I would rather use the word support. You know, they have wrong associations with that because they feel if I'm taking somebody's help, that means I'm weak. So that was also, in fact, that just shows how weak they are in another way. And that's why now we have this new movement being vulnerable is strong and you know that kind of a thing that's coming up today
1: yeah it's 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 amazing to see and I, I love how everyone is sharing that because it's so true that's how we connect and relate to each other the most
0: mm-hmm. now Angelica, now we go to the uh, next one which is you know we see a lot of issues with the throat chakra with thyroid issues, which is like a pandemic not pandemic uh, epidemic sorry <laughs> <laughs> How we can change the words with the times so how do you deal with that
1: with the throat chakra it's very much
0: confidence now, and i think like we said about the second chakra you see a lot with women, and i think the the throat chakra also has a lot to do with the woman as well and i'm sure i see a lot in men also but with your experience you must be seeing it more in women with the throat chakra issues
1: I do. And I love the connection between the sacral and the throat because there is very much, it's with confidence and also um, being able to have your voice heard. Mm -hmm. And um, it's again, it's just like how the heart has that giving and receiving with the throat chakra. It's being able to listen empathetically Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: also being able to speak your truth. And so a lot of times what women they're repressed. And that's a deeper wound. That's an ancestral wound where they feel like they couldn't speak their truth. They couldn't live authentically given whatever was in their past lives. It's now being reincarnated into this life for them to heal. And so it's really much where's their voice? The Mm -hmm. voice comes in a lot of different expressions. It could be in your movement. Maybe you're a dancer. Maybe you're a yoga instructor. Maybe you're a speaker. Maybe you like to do podcasts. Maybe you like to write. Whatever your form of expression is, we help them to find that, to find their authentic truth. And then, okay, how can I start incorporating that into my life? If it is your voice, maybe you're starting to talk more on Instagram and, and build your feed that way. Maybe it's writing. Maybe you start a blog. And just start it as a hobby. And then that, with no expectations that this is going to be my my life goal, whatever it is, and then we start to see that their confidence starts to starts to build even more. And um, you know, when we're healing that deeper wound too, sometimes things will come up. Well, in the past, I felt like my voice couldn't be heard for X, Y, and Z that happened to me. And how can I heal that trauma? To know that yes, your voice deserves to be heard. In fact, you're doing a disservice not only to yourself but the community if you are not sharing your authentic voice. Um, for their own healing.
0: Well, I think that's also one of the reasons why journaling helps so many people who have these repressed feelings, because at least they were able to express it.
1: Totally, yeah. The, the journaling is just something we we use in every chance that we can get for every every client that we have. It's so true because you can really look at yourself from the third person um, and just it's almost like a meditation because you are letting the the words flow through you um, without the intellect getting in the way. It's just all the emotions
0: Hmm. going through. I think like, you know, we read when you uh, understand about psychology, one of our greatest needs is to be heard and to be understood. And once that is lost, suddenly we feel stuck. Okay. I feel somebody is smothering me or grabbing me by throat. It's like a Marma point where we express our
1: True inner self, you know, a hundred percent, and that's where we see people really starting to step into their dharma is in the fifth chakra. It's a very elevated state of consciousness to live in. You know, my one of my teachers from India says that majority of the world lives maybe out of their first and their second chakra they're either out of in the fear mode or they're living they're holding on to a lot of guilt that they're holding Mm. into in the sacral some get into the third but you'll see that you know living out of anger or ego um but rarely do we get to see people really starting to elevate and and speak their truth and fully immerse into their dharma and i think that's where we're seeing the change happening in the world where there's more elevated consciousness
0: I think uh, that's also the beauty of technology, even though technology brought in a lot of airy element, but it also taught people it's time to get grounded because it made many information accessible than never before.
1: Totally. And there is even theories on the chakras and how we're living in different um, time cycles Mm -hmm. of the chakras. So this five-dimensional time that we're in it's related to the fifth chakra which is the throat so this is the age of technology this is the age where we're able to communicate in a completely different way than we've ever did before so it's cool to kind of see that all happening
0: that's so true i mean it was said two decades ago what was possible only for a big media company now it's possible for a common man with an internet connection wow the the possibility of communicating to the world now it's possible for anyone with an internet connection that's the, the power that we have today So I can completely correlate with what you're saying. So we live in the fifth chakra activation times. (laughs) But sometimes your Twitter account can be blocked. (laughs)
1: Uh, Yes, especially when Mercury is in retrograde.
0: (laughs) So now we come to the the last two, which is uh, also having the same names. So how do you deal with that?
1: So with Agya Chakra, um, it's the a very. Third chakra,
0: el- you know. That's why people love Shirodara.
1: <laughs> yes! Oh my gosh! <laughs> totally. I, I yeah. My first Shirodara experience was was wild. I was like, I could do this every day. <laughs> Um, yeah. So I'm sure you get to witness a lot of experiences with people opening up the third eye activation mm-hmm. during that, which is interesting. I, When we're working with clients, it's usually in our private clients where we get to really work with the third eye because you have to have that work beforehand, right? You mm-hmm. have to have done the work on the lower chakras in order to get to that elevated state. So this is the, f- I love this one because you get to tap into your psychic abilities, mm-hmm. whether that's a feeling, we call this clairsentient, being able to feel others' emotions and feel things feelings, whether that's being clairvoyant, having the vision, maybe you have lucid dreaming, Um, maybe you are totally open in your clairvoyancy and you can see different images um when you're in just living daylight maybe it's clear um cognizant where you have this inner knowing this deep inner knowing of things maybe you learn things really quickly and you can't really explain it um and then clear audience being able to hear hear words of wisdom hearing from your spirit guides and source and whatever it is these are just four common ones there's a bunch of different abilities you can tap into. We find where they're most authentic in and then we allow them to lean into that. Because once you expand in one area, then it starts to bleed over into all these other ones. And I... I think this one's super cool, too, because we're even seeing like the the seeds being sprouted in this one where everyone's starting to realize they're psychic and that they can open up these intuitive abilities and use that no matter what job they're in. And of course, for us, it's easy to correlate how we can use this in our industry. But even for anyone in any job, I think being able to tap into your intuition and relying on that more so than even sometimes the intellect is where we're going to see the world changing, too, which is pretty cool.
0: Mm i think you know once we activate our expression and our ability of intuition just comes up so easily totally mm-hmm.
1: yeah it's it's all it, it's 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 always there right and so once you just kind of push that button and turn and turn on you're like oh this is what that was mm-hmm. it was always there it's never finding something it's always within you it's just bringing it to light
0: and, and in my experience when i'm treating patients suddenly they come and say please, doctor, all I'm here is for just to get my shirodhara. And I tell them, why do you want that? Because that helps me to calm down. It's like, you know, suddenly their nervous system is relaxed. Mm-hmm. It's like turns off their overthinking. They don't know where the button is to calm them. And suddenly they feel it, it's here in the third eye. And even, you know, like we, we, we learn about pineal gland and how that is connected with that. And that's where, you know, you're able to see things that is not something beyond your five senses. And totally. this intuition is something that we completely missed today with the technology.
1: Yeah, that's such a good point that if there is any blockages in the root, feeling anxiety, it's never going to be able to develop the intuition because that egoic voice is going to be so loud, mm-hmm. so turned on that you cannot hear that, that words of wisdom coming through.
0: I remember once I was having a discussion with someone who teaches people how to come out of trauma and, and she was telling, I, I asked this question. How to differentiate the noise and the inner intuition and then uh, she said that the noise is always loud, mm. and the intuition is very it always whispers so in order to understand the whispering you need to calm down you need to relax otherwise you just miss it in the whole noise
1: <laughs> oh, I love that so much
0: I think that's how it uh, the whole idea of balancing all the chakras previously And I've seen people when they do a panchakarma, like when they clean themselves to some extent, and then when they do shirodhara, the result is just next level. I mean, when their body is toxic, and when they do shirodhara, it need not be that good. But after they cleanse themselves, and when they do shirodhara, I feel, oh, this is the best thing that I've done.
1: That is my favorite part of the Ayurvedic cleanse is the spiritual connection. I've it's there's nothing like it you can express it like that day after you do your virachana or the big cleanse and you are in such a great you feel the the high vata the high prana in you it's oh my god i I live for that
0: exactly and now we come to the the last chakra i mean it's something that is beyond certain scope but at least knowing from the theoretical aspect that is mentioned in the yogic philosophies so how do we uh, understand about the the crown chakra
1: Yeah, it's so, again, this one's even more so personal because our connection to our own Ishta, our own inner God is so unique. And that's Mm -hmm. what's so beautiful. When you get to have that soul connection with consciousness, whatever you would like to call it, it's indescribable. Mm -hmm. And when you do all of that work ahead of time with the chakras it it will naturally start to flow but i can give an example of where i experience it uh, just so someone can kind of understand and the way i experience it is through channeling Mm -hmm. um where i channel in my voice of my spirit guides um and their words of wisdom and i share that with my community whether that's in a one-on-one or that's just with our larger community and that is where i see like the most connections and i love because Every single time, I'm like, okay, am I really saying this? Or is this being a channel words it's a wisdom? And then I start to see the divine connection that happened after it, where, oh my gosh, I was experiencing X, Y, and Z. You spoke directly to my soul. And oh my gosh, like I had this memory coming up from a past life, and I couldn't believe it. And... Yeah, that, it just fills my soul so much when I, when I speak about that. And that's when you know is when it just completely fills your soul so much that you are elevated to the crown chakra. And certain practices that I love to activate this is definitely kundalini. It's something that we do in our new moon ceremonies is how can we awaken the chakra system and have the energy flowing so that it flows through the crown chakra so that you can receive your own messages um, from source and communicate them in a way that's really authentic to you.
0: That's so beautiful. It's like the next level of intuition where you're connecting with the divinity.
1: Totally. Exactly. Mm
0: -hmm. See, it's so beautiful how we see it's like the dominoes effect. One takes the next and one takes the next and then suddenly, bam, you are at your best.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. you're just this walking rainbow. (laughs) Exactly.
0: It's so beautiful. And I am I hope that people listening to this, you know, they realize how powerful and underrated this concept of uh, chakras are. So I'll, they can also use it in their own healing and also their tr- personal transformation. So, Angelica, how can people know more about your work? And I see that you do a lot of courses on transformation. So could you tell more about that?
1: Yes, thank you. So we work one on one with clients and we actually just closed our one-on-one um sessions but we do have new and full moon ceremonies monthly mm-hmm. um it's part of our light worker society membership mm-hmm. and we very much work with the chakra system we just actually went through a chakra series um where we went to deep dive into each one of them um so each month we learn a new concept This next month, we're talking about women's menstrual cycles and how to use the cycles of the moon to really tap into your intuition. Um, And yeah, it's just really fun. We do Kundalini activations on the new moon so that you can get in touch with your chakra system. And you can find that at our website, soulfulfleda.com and enter the Lightworker Society.
0: Wow. Thank you so much. I will definitely include all this in the show notes and Thank you so much once again for being in this podcast and all the information that you shared. It's really a wealth of wisdom and I hope people listening to this will you know it will be like a inspiration to get more into this concept.
1: Oh, thank you so much. I'm, I'm so honored to be here and to be able to interact with your community and the community built. It's so beautiful and the work that you're doing is, is amazing and so respectful. And yeah, it was just lovely to have a conversation with a friend as well. So thank you.
0: Thank you so much. It's always great to connect with the tribe, you know, talking about holistic healing and integrative approach and Ayurveda chakras. So thank you so much, Angelica. And I wish you all the best.
1: Thank you. You too.